0: If you have your copy of God's Word, if you turn to the book of 1 Corinthians, 1 Corinthians chapter 2, be looking at tonight. And I'll let you just remain seated. I'm going to read the entire chapter. There's only 16 verses, but uh, quite a bit of reading here. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, starting with verse 1. 1 Corinthians 2, starting with verse 1. Here the Bible says, And I, brethren, when I came to you, came not with excellency of speech or of wisdom, declaring unto you the testimony of God. For I determined not to know anything among you save Jesus Christ and him crucified. And I was with you in weakness and in fear and in much trembling. And my speech and my preaching was not with enticing words of man's wisdom, but in demonstration of the Spirit and of power that your faith should not stand in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. Howbeit we speak wisdom among them that are perfect, yet not the wisdom of this world, nor of the princes of this world that come to naught, but we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery, even the hidden wisdom which God ordained before the world unto our glory, which none of the princes of this world knew, for had they known it, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory." But as it is written, I hath not seen nor ear heard, neither have entered into the heart of man the things which God hath prepared for them that love him. But God hath revealed them unto us by his Spirit. For the Spirit searcheth all things, yea, the deep things of God. For what man knoweth the things of a man save the Spirit of man which is in him? Even so the things of God knoweth no man but the Spirit of God. Now we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit which is of God, that we might know the things that are freely given to us of God, which things also we speak, not in the words which man's wisdom teacheth, but which the Holy Ghost teacheth, comparing spiritual things with spiritual. But the natural man receiveth not the things of the spirit of God, for they are foolishness unto him, neither can he know them, because they are spiritually discerned. But he that is spiritual judges all things, yet he himself is judged of no man. For who hath known the mind of the Lord, that he may instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. Father, thank you for the reading of your word tonight. Lord, I'm asking for your help to be able to preach for just a little bit on this. God, that you'll be seen, you'll be glorified and exalted. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Well, here in their opening text, we find the old tried-and-true Apostle Paul as he's dealing with the church at Corinth. Now, no doubt you've heard in your life some preacher get up and say, it's the troubled church. You may have read a commentary or have a Bible, Bible study book that says, this is the troubled church. And it was. It was a troubled church. But you know what I like to think of it as? A normal church. A normal church. It's things that we all have to face and all have to go through and all need to be instructed and all need to be taught doctrine. All of us need to be taught theology. All of us. And so what he's trying to do is teach them the doctrine of the Holy Spirit. Don't, that, don't let that word doctrine scare you. A lot of times it seems like when I throw out words like doctrine or theology, people want to start sliding backwards. You know, oh no, you know, he's, getting, he's getting too deep here. No, doctrine is Bible. That's what the Bible talks about, the Bible doctrine. And so he's teaching them the doctrine of the Holy Spirit, and he's trying to drive home the fact that Christians are to walk in the wisdom of the Spirit uh, and uh, not of the world. In fact, he's trying to show a separation between those things the Christians should know and the things that the world should know. And the world don't know the things the Christian knows because the world can't discern them because they're not saved. And so Paul, what, essentially what he's trying to do is knock the world out of this church so they can walk in the Spirit. Uh, and listen, one of the biggest problems with the church today is most churches today are walking in the world's wisdom. They're walking in worldly spirit. Uh, I've been in some places and I can't tell the Spirit of God is in that place at all. And uh, that's because they've allowed the things of the world to take over, the world's music, the world's look. And there's a look to the world, and you know what it is when you see it. The world's uh, atmosphere. Have you ever been in a place you can't tell it's a church? (laughs) And they call it a church. Uh, Listen, there's a difference between us and the world. Uh, And so Paul mentioned something in our text here that I want to point out. It's not mentioned anywhere else in the Bible. Look at it there in verse 10. But God has revealed them unto us by his Spirit, for the Spirit searches all things, yea, the deep things of God. If you underline things in your Bible, underline that phrase, the deep things of God. That's where we'd like to take our text from tonight. Now listen, one of the things that we realize from reading our Bibles concerning the Holy Spirit is that the Holy Spirit is a person. I mentioned this just the other Sunday, I believe, or it might have been Wednesday night. The Holy Spirit is not a thing. It's not, he's not an it He is a person. He has a personality. Uh, He does things a person would do, only he is a spirit. Here we find he does something. He searcheth all things. Look, we search for things all the time. My wife will tell you, I'm always searching for where I put my bill phone or where I put my key. You know, I I lose things all the time. She'll say, would you look here, Did you look there, you know, whatever... And she can usually find it, you know, but I have a hard time a lot of times. It seems like I'll look for 30 minutes for my billfold that I've laid somewhere, thinking I'm going to put this here so I'll remember where it's at. I completely forget it. Uh, and so we we search for things like that, you know, keys, billfold, remote control. You ever lose the remote to the TV? Well, that's, a, that's a game changer right there. Uh, the perfect piece of fried chicken. I have searched for that my entire life. And I think I've got some pretty good candidates for it, but uh, I'm still looking. Uh, but we also sp- search for spiritual things. For instance, why am I here? Why? Uh, why? What is God's will for my life? What's my purpose? What should I be doing for the Lord? What does the Lord expect of me? Some of these things are spiritual things that, that we have questions of. And so there are some things that are impossible for man to find or for man to understand in his own power. Paul tells us down there in verse 14, he said, But the natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness unto him. Neither can he know them, because they are spiritually discerned. So we as Christians, we do have an advantage over the lost people. Uh, We can, through the help of the Holy Spirit, discern God's word we can discern what he would have us to do now, I mentioned uh, not long ago about how there's many atheists today that's read the Bible completely through. Some have even memorized great passages of Scripture, even entire books, and they want to throw that out to a Christian every time they want to debate whether God is, uh, is real or not, you know. Well, I've read the Bible, and I can tell you this, and you know it, it says in this chapter and this verse, you know, and the average Christian sitting there going like this because they don't know the Bible any better than, than they know anything else. Uh, but the atheist will try to use that. But while the atheist may be able to quote Scripture, he may be able to read the entire Bible through, if he's never believed in Jesus, he does not have the spiritual discernment to read those words and say, well, this is what he means. And so it's all just kind of, you know, words on the page to them. It doesn't mean anything, really. They cannot tap into the power that only Christians have from reading God's Word. It only comes by the Holy Ghost. He illuminates the scripture for us. I was reading a book by Charles Stanley a while back, and I like this. He said, imagine, if you will, that a stranger came and moved into your house. He stayed in a back room with a door shut and never came out. You never went out and talked to him. You never invited him to eat with you. You just went about your life as if it wasn't there, as if he wasn't there. He would remain a complete stranger to you. Sadly, most Christians today, that's how they treat the Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost came and, and, and dwelled and lives inside of you, yet we want to close him off in a back room and, and never have anything to do with him. We don't want to understand him. He comes in, moves inside of us, and we keep him locked away in the back room of our heart, never invite him to come out and walk or talk with us or get acquainted with him. Therefore, he remains a stranger to most Christians. And that's a sad, sad commentary on, on Christians. Uh, what if we understood the Holy Ghost just as much as a person as the Lord Jesus? You know, why do we, we make uh, comparisons? Why do we say this or that? Listen, we should know the Holy Ghost just as much as we claim that we know Jesus. Uh, what if we understood that he is just as much of a person as the person sitting next to you? That would be sitting next to you if they were there. But that person sitting next to you, he's just as real, only he's much more smarter than they are. Uh, In R.A. Torrey's classic book, The Person and Work of the Holy Spirit, he says this, The Holy Spirit is not a blind, impersonal influence or power that comes into our lives to illuminate, sanctify, and empower them. No, he's immeasurably more than that. He is a holy person who comes to dwell in our hearts, one who sees clearly every act we perform, every word we speak, every thought we entertain, even the most fleeting fancy that is allowed to pass through our minds, and if there is anything, an act or word or deed that is impure, unholy, unkind, selfish, mean, petty, or untrue, this infinitely holy one is deeply grieved by it. When I first read that, it, it sent chills up and down my spine. Uh, listen it, it's it's real he 's real, and he lives inside of us, and all those things are true. Uh, he knows us inside and out, and to realize that this holy person is living inside of us for twenty four hours a day, seven days a week, three hundred sixty five days a year, and even on leap year uh, i mean it's it should be overwhelming to us to understand that. Paul says in verse ten, For the spirit searcheth all things, yea the deep." Things of God. I want to ask you, what do you think the deep things of God are? I mean, it's not mentioned anywhere else, but here, the deep things. We're going to look at that here in just a minute, but first I want to tell you what's not. What's not deep things of God? First of all, the things of the world. They're not the deep things of God. Uh, this that's the message that Paul is trying to convey to these Corinthians in our opening text. He said, verse 4, in my speech and my preaching was not with enticing words of, here he says, man's wisdom, but in demonstration of the spirit and of power, that your faith should not stand in what? The wisdom of men. He keeps pointing it out. It's not man's wisdom. Your, your spirit, your faith shouldn't be in man's wisdom, the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. Howbeit we speak wisdom among them that are perfect, yet not the wisdom of this world, nor the princes of this world that come to naught, but we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery, even the hidden wisdom which God ordained before the world unto our glory, which none of the princes of this world knew, for had they known it, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. So Paul is even saying right here that even the princes of this world did not understand the deep things of God. If they had, of they would have understood who Jesus was, they would never have crucified the God of glory. Never, if they'd really known who he was. They didn't discern him. Look, there are men in this world who are extremely intelligent. I mean, when you go and weigh their, their, their minds, you know, uh, you take their IQ, the average IQ, uh, which, by the way, means intelligence quotients, if you didn't know that, it's between 85 and 115. I've never had mine measured, but I'd say it's on the low end. Uh, but th- it's based on the age that you are at the time they take it. But a genius is rated at 132 IQ. Uh, that's all you've got to have to be considered a genius. It's said that Leonardo da Vinci had the highest recorded IQ of any adult being. His was 220. Of course, a high IQ doesn't necessarily mean that uh, you're intelligent. Because they also say that uh, North Korea's leader, Kim Jong uh, un, has an IQ of 200. So that just goes to show you don't matter what your IQ is, you still probably ain't got much sense. So, uh, having an IQ does not help you when it comes to the deep things of God. So Bill Gates, if, I don't know if he's saved or not. Some of the things I've seen about it, I, I would question that. But uh, these other men that uh, you know are out in the news all the time, these uh, billionaires and millionaires and smart people and all this, um, look, they can't discern the deep things of God if they're not saved. I don't care if they can invent a, a rocket and shoot it into space. It doesn't mean they know the things, the deep things of God. And so uh, I want you to know tonight that if you've been saved, you have access to the deep things of God. I mean, you've got more uh, wisdom about you than any of these so-called 200 IQ uh, professors out here. Uh, the question is, are we acquainted with him? Have we acquainted ourselves with the Holy Ghost to know the deep things of God? I want to pause right here for a second and say this. If, if you're dealing with the Holy Spirit, don't ever forget the fact That he is uh, intimately connected with the work of Christ. Uh, The Holy Ghost, we remember Jesus came there in John chapter 14, telling him he's going to go away, but he's going to send another comforter. And so the comforter is always, and of course the comforter is the Holy Ghost, he's the Holy Spirit, but he's always working on behalf of Christ. Jesus told his disciples there he's going away. In John 16, 14, he said, He shall glorify me, for he shall receive of mine and shall show it unto you. So the deep things of God that come through the Lord Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit, he is the one that gives us that discernment to be able to understand these deep things. Don't ever disconnect Jesus from the Holy Spirit. Don't ever do it. they go hand in hand. Charles Spurgeon said, the gospel is not behold the Spirit of God, but behold the Lamb of God. <laughs> A lot of people, they say things like, how do I get more of the Holy Ghost inside of me? You don't get more. He's the same Holy Ghost that lives in each one of us. The question is, how are you going to give him more view? That's the question. We got to give him more of us. We all have the same portion of the Holy Spirit inside of us. He just needs more of us for him. So further on into 1 Corinthians chapter 12, we find the Apostle Paul, he's speaking about spiritual gifts. And he makes this statement, 1 Corinthians 12 and 3. He says, Wherefore I give you to understand that no man speaking by the Spirit of God calleth Jesus accursed, and that no man can say that Jesus is the Lord but by the Holy Ghost. So a lost sinner on his own, in his own flesh, he don't have the ability to make Jesus his Lord lest the Holy Spirit comes along and, and shines that light on him, reveals to him his lost condition. The word Lord right here, it comes from the Greek word kurios, which means the supreme authority, controller, and master. So in order for a man to make the Lord Jesus Christ his supreme authority in life, his Lord, master, the Holy Ghost must first come and enable him to do that. The Holy Ghost, he convicts us of our sins. He convinces us that we're a sinner. He prompts us to search for Jesus, but this whole time God's there, he finds us. It was said this morning, I believe in Sunday school class that, you know, man don't naturally in our flesh, we don't seek after God. He's the one that finds us. Somebody said, "Well, I found God. No, he found you first. He found you first. And you didn't go to him unless he drew you. He drew you." And so these are the deep things of God, things that are only obtainable through the Holy Ghost. And the deep things of God are divine wisdom, divine wisdom. Wisdom that can only be found in the spiritual world, not the physical world, not the earthly world. The only way a believer will ever realize his full potential of walking in the Spirit is by actually walking in the Spirit consistently, consistently, faithfully, obediently on a daily basis why on earth do we think we're ever going to know the Holy Spirit like we should when we just want to treat him like like a stranger or like somebody that comes along every now and then that we're acquainted with and uh, we'll we'll have something to do with you today maybe in church today I'll get a I'll get closer to you the Holy Ghost and then you know Monday though I've got other things to do I've got to go over here and do these things no we got to walk with in the Spirit consistently we got to be obedient to the Spirit and walk with Him on a daily basis, not just on Sundays and Wednesdays, but on a daily basis. And we'll understand these deep things of God. Paul was dealing with a lot of trouble there in that church in Corinth. He blamed part of it on their lack of growing in the Spirit and having any spiritual understanding. You see, they were still babes. Even, he even uh, said something to them about they, they couldn't take the meat, that they were still in the milk. And so they couldn't understand some of these things because they had allowed themselves to stay in that baby condition. They wouldn't get closer and understand these deep things. And in 1 Corinthians 3, 1 through 3, the Bible says, And I, brethren, could not speak unto you as unto spiritual." But as unto carnal, even as unto babes in Christ, I, fed, I have fed you with milk and not with meat, for hitherto you were not able to bear it. Neither yet now are you able, for you are yet carnal. For whereas there is among you envying and strife and divisions, are you not carnal and walk as men? Well, he's getting after them right here. They're, they're just acting like the world. They're the church. You know, he says, look, I can't even tell you these things, these deep things, these this meat. I can't even give you the meat of Christ here because you're still acting like a little baby. You know, uh, there's all these things going on between you. You're acting carnal like the world does. So in order for the Holy Spirit to show us the deep things of God, it does require obedience on our part. Uh, You can expect, you can't expect to to live like the world and act like the world and talk like the world and, and all these things and still understand the deep things of God. You just, you won't ever reach it. Living a carnal lifestyle will hinder your ability to walk in the Spirit. I've never seen anybody walk in the Spirit that's living like the world. Never have. Uh, I've seen black backsliders. I've seen people that used to walk in the spirit and they backslid and got out of God's will and out of church and out of their Bible and out of praying and out of everything else and they're living like the world. They're not walking in the spirit. If they're saved, the Holy Spirit, sure, he still lives inside of them, but they've, they've done built a wall between between them and the Holy Spirit. You know, They've got to tear that wall down. They've got to start walking with him. So the deep things of God are revealed to us through a lot of things like prayerful study, meditation of the scripture we understand god's word by reading it look putting this bible on your on your dash of your car or on the coffee table or wherever it may go that does you no good you can go to every house probably in this in this con- in this neighborhood probably knock on the door and say do you have a bible oh yes we got one right over here right here on the shelf right on the coffee table got one in the car got one here got one there whatever and but if you ask them if they actually read the thing, well, no, that's something something else different there. But everybody has a Bible, but nobody knows what it says because why they don't read it. So we have to actually read the Scripture, pray over the Scripture, meditate on the Scripture, and ask the Holy Spirit to reveal things to us. Have you ever been reading a passage of Scripture you've read a hundred times, and then you read it another time, and it it just it just explodes at you, and you're like. I never saw that. I have looked at that my entire life. And then today, wow, that's the Holy Spirit. He's showing you. He says, hey, these are the deep things of God. Pow! Boy, I love it when that happens. And so we must open our Bibles and read it. And uh, we ask the Holy Spirit for help illuminating the Scriptures for us. Uh, Otherwise, we'll never understand these deep things of God. That's why you can find these atheists out there and quote Scripture and, and and all that stuff, but but yet they're empty. It's empty words for them. Um, they can't understand it. Let me give you an example. Um, in school, my very worst subject was math. My wife's here tonight and tell you, I, I, when it comes to math, here's what it's like. When somebody gives numbers, it's like I'm looking at them going, whew, whew, whew. You know, and I'm thinking, huh. And if anybody says fractions, I just, I just zone out. You know, That's the way I was. I failed algebra in the eighth grade at Gibbs High School. They had to put me in remedial math. I mean, math was not my subject. Uh, it, just, it just blows me away. But I had to go to college to earn a degree. And I decided to go to uh, uh, College of Technology. I had to learn algebra. I had to pass these classes. Algebra. Trigonometry, Calculus, Accounting, and Boolean Algebra, just to get my degree. And every time I looked at those books and saw those numbers, I mean, I was my mind was just blank. It took me sitting down and my, my wife, bless her heart, she stayed with me, she, she can do math. And she'd sit there and we'd go over it and over it and over it. And I'd learn it just enough to pass a test. And I'd get in there in the test, and boy, and I'd remember those things from what I studied all night, and I'd do it, and I'd pass, probably got a C on all the math ones, but I would get enough to pass that, and the next time somebody asked me any of those questions, it's just like, it's just like a, a blank board again. I'm like, I don't know. Didn't you pass that test? Sure. <laughs> I can not tell you what that is. But that's, it. I have no understanding of it. I have no discernment of math because it's beyond me. Well, the atheist is like that when they read the Bible. They don't understand things. It's beyond them. They can't, they can't grasp it. And it's the way of the lost person of the world. Unless, unless they have the Holy Spirit giving them illumination, understanding, you can quote, quote Scripture all you want. You can memorize math equations all you want, but don't mean you understand it at all. No comprehensions. Finally, the deep things of God is the understanding of the gravity of our sins. Now this is a tough one. You see, most people, they look at other people's sins and they can point them out and they can say, boy, that's terrible. I can't believe they do that. Uh, they're sinning against God. But yet when it comes to ourselves, it's not so bad, is it? You know, we want to treat our sins as light sins, you know. But somebody else is, oh my goodness, I can't believe they're living that way. I thought they were Christians. The natural man is only convicted of his sins when the Holy Spirit reproves him. We should be reproved of our sin when we sin. Uh, that's when we're first introduced to the Holy Spirit, when he reproves us of sin, by the way, which causes us to come under conviction. Jesus said this to his disciples in John sixteen, seven through 11. He said, nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is expedient for you that I go away. For if I go not away, the Comforter will not come unto you. But if I depart, I will send him unto you. And when he's come, he will reprove the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. Of sin, because they believe not on me. Of righteousness, because I go to my Father and you see me no more. Of judgment, because the Prince of this world is judged. Look, once a person is reproved and convicted, then he's given a choice of whether or not he's going to repent and believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, turn from his sins and turn to the Savior. He has a choice to that. God doesn't force us. He doesn't come. Yeah, he could do that. Do you know that God could force you to do what he wanted to do if he wanted to? He created us. He could have invisible strings on us and saying, Brother Byron's going to dance on the stage tonight. I don't want to dance on stage, but if he want me to, I'd be doing it. I'd be, you know, he'd be having me dance. He could also say, He's going to serve me. He pulled the strings and I'll come up and bow down, you know. Lord, I'm serving you, you know. He could do that. He could force us, but he don't. He gives us our free will. He gives us our choice. He gives us a choice to say, okay, I realize I'm a lost sinner. I realize I'm going to go to hell. They told me. The Bible said I was, you know, I'm bound for hell. That all sin comes short of the glory of God. But, uh, you know. I've got to make a decision. Am I going to trust Jesus to save me? Am I going to turn my life over to him? Am I going to turn from my sin and turn to the Lord Jesus and say, save me? Or am I going to say, not now? Or am I going to say, maybe later? Or am I going to say, forget it? Those are really the three things that people do. Maybe later, not right now, forget about it. So we have a choice. We can accept him. We can reject him. And we can choose to remain in our sin, refuse the gift of salvation that Jesus offers, and take the chance of having our conscience seared. The person has a chance of having their conscience seared. If they keep pushing God away, they can die in their sins and go to the devil's hell, never to be convicted again. Can you imagine that? I'm always worried about people that's under conviction that keep... They're, they're just constantly under conviction. They're gripping the pew. They're refusing to go. They're, you know, all kinds of, and I see it. I've been in the ministry for a long time now. And I have seen it over and over and over. Those white knuckles grabbing that pew. The people getting up at the invitation time, get up and leave. That's because they're under conviction. And I've always been afraid that that person under conviction, one of these days, they're no longer going to be. That God gave them chance after chance after chance and they kept rejecting, rejecting, saying no, not now. And then somewhere in their mind they're thinking, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to do something foolish like that. What an awful thing to think about. Their conscience seared over. Look, the person that repents and trusts the Lord Jesus as Savior immediately is indwelled with the Holy Spirit. And from then on out, that person... We'll be fully aware and conscious of our sins. We know when we sin. <laughs> we don't go around sinning and not knowing about it. I've heard people say, maybe it's a, an accidental sin. Really? I accidentally sinned, God? Take it up with him and ask him about that. We know we're sinning. The Holy Spirit, he makes us aware of it. He makes us conscious of it because he's living in us. John 14, 17 Even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it seeth him not, neither knoweth him, but ye know him. For he dwelleth with you and shall be in you. So, the deep things of God. The Holy Spirit helps us to search, and he reveals these to us. He shows us the gravity of our sin. We must understand that. Our sin is an enmity to God. I mean, it's, uh, it's rebellion to God. and We need to understand that. These deep things are spiritually discerned. We need to be obedient to the Spirit. We need to be in His Word thoroughly, studying, meditating on the Scripture, asking the Lord to reveal the Scripture to us and to reveal these deep things of God. I know that's what I want for my life. I pray that's what you desire for yours is to know God on a personal one-on-one basis. And know those deep things. I've got a message I'm going to preach probably soon. The Lord's been dealing with me on. It's called ankle deep Christians. And uh, you'll know what that means once I, once I tell you, but we're going to stop right here tonight. I feel like the Lord's closing this message, Brother scoff, you'll get a song and i don't know if you might have a need tonight i know we've, we've got the faithful ones here tonight it's always here and uh you may have a need you need prayer with if you do you certainly come down to the altar the altar's open all the time you're welcome to come if you want me to pray with you i'd be glad to but if you'll stand and i'm I'm going to pray and brother Scott, you leave us in a song uh, heavenly father god we thank you tonight for the message lord we thank you for these things that you've told us about in your word Lord, this so-called troubled church, Lord, we know that with all churches, Lord, can have problems. But, God, we're praying that uh, we'll be sincere, we'll be uh, obedient to the Spirit. God, will search for the deep things of God, that, Lord, the Holy Spirit will reveal them to us, and God, will live a life that's pleasing to you, and, Lord, so that we can know you the very best that we can. Lord, that's our heart's desire tonight. God, if there's one here tonight that needs help with, with anything, whatever it may be, Lord, you, you know. God, if there's one that needs it, Lord, would you help him with that need tonight? And we'll give you the praise for it, for it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.